This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, yeah, man, how you doing? You good? I know you like that. I know you like that. What's happening, guys? It's Jerry Maller here for the Hindsight 20 Podcast. It's been a while. It's good to be back. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. It may be some new listeners. It may be some old listeners. And whether you've uh, heard this show a time or two or ten, or if you're listening for the first time, I want to welcome you and I'm going to thank you. Uh, first and foremost, I want to give you my apologies. I know I've been a, uh, away for quite some time. I've been gone uh, for so long. I had to decide, man, debate, like, what song would I use? You know, there's a lot of uh, cheesy Welcome back songs you can use like that one with Mace. I could have did the old uh, Aaron Lewis and Stains. It's been a while, uh, but I went ahead with the uh, with the Mace. You know that's just vintage late '90s, early 2000s. So, uh, in all seriousness, I want to apologize for my absence. Been a few things going on. Some good, uh, most of it good. Uh, some bad in the in the point of uh, you know just adult responsibilities that you have. But all in all, uh, I'm here, and it's the perfect time to kind of bring back the podcast. Uh, those of you that are familiar with the show, uh, we usually would hit you off with the show every single Monday, and that's the schedule that we're going to go with uh, as we are knee deep. Uh, into the off season now guys just you know a few weeks away from free agency you got the draft all these things are coming up so you know this is the perfect time to come back and in terms of scheduling uh there won't be any long absences there won't be any long lapses in time uh every monday monday morning right here at detroit sports podcast network you will hear me and as always i would be remiss and i'm hoping i'm using that word right you know sometimes you hear a word and you know use the context but Perhaps you've never really looked uh, at that definition yourself. I would be remiss. Hopefully I'm using that right. If I I did not mention uh, that it's not just me here. There's tons of content on the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Do yourself a favor. Subscribe to the whole thing. All right. Uh, If you have Apple phone, many of you do. It's easy. Go to iTunes, Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Subscribe. Bam. Every single day, you're going to get new content. Uh, Whether you're a fan of the Tigers, the Lions, no matter what, if you're a fan of Detroit sports, Metro Detroit sports, college here in Michigan, you name it, it's all there. So you can check me out. Also, I'm a proud member of PrivateTroit.com. It's been a long absence as well in terms of the videos. I'll be coming back this week with a very special video in light of the NFL draft looming. One of the big events that we all look forward to is the NFL Combine. And I've laid down the gauntlet. Uh, a few people have taken the bait. A few people have said, you know, all right, prove it. I've declared myself the most athletic, the most NFL ready, non-athlete. Okay. I got to throw that caveat out there. The most NFL ready, non-athlete that covers, that talks about, that blogs about, however you want to word it, the Detroit Lions. So, uh, if anyone cares to object, well, I'll be throwing up my combine. I'll be throwing you my blazing fast 5.5 40-yard dash and a few other events on the combine. So you can check that out on PrivateTroit.com. I'll be doing my welcome back, getting my mace on, if you will, uh, for those guys this very week as well. Probably leaning towards more so the weekend. Uh, Got to get a, you know the footage and things ready for the combine. So uh, I'm back in full effect uh, right as we're knee-deep into 
uh, off-season mode. Well, not technically knee-deep. That would be like in the middle of it, right? As we're here at the calm before the storm, that's a better term. It's the calm before the storm. Uh, the combine's coming up. Next thing you know, it'll be free agency. Next thing you know, it'll be the draft. So, uh, like I said, every Monday from here on out, you'll be hearing from me. There's some exciting things going on with myself, uh, with Private Detroit, as well as with the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. So stay tuned, okay? There's a ton going on. Uh, some things I really would like to tell you about, but I can't. There'll be a few special surprises. You might be tuning in to one of your favorite cable stations and seeing a few of us. All I can say is this. Stay tuned. It's time to talk about today, all right? And as you know, my show is roughly 30 minutes. I mean, it's just me. I'm solo. I, I, I take, you know, no breaks with the exception of, you know, like right in between. Uh, I don't, you know, try to flood you with an hour long of me talking. If I had a guest, uh, it goes longer if I have, you know, time to have a co-host on occasion. But uh, there's a lot to talk about. I've rambled uh, for about four or five minutes, a little in-house, you know, letting you guys know what to expect from here on out. So let's get into the team. Let's get into Detroit Lions. We're going to do the past. We're going to do the present. And we're going to do the future. Um, you know, I look back at this team, and, and this is going to be brief because, you know, pretty much the bow has been wrapped on the 2016 season. All right, nine and seven, first round exit. Uh, we know the slow start, one and three. And then in, in the middle, that was kind of the uh, – the weakness of the schedule, if you will, and we really capitalized with uh, that seven and one uh, middle. It's simple, though. You know, if you look at this team, what went wrong, what went right, there were three things that we had. And after that, it was pretty bleak. There's three reasons why we did go nine and seven, despite having, in my opinion, an inferior roster. All right. Uh, despite having just a lack of talent in so many areas, okay? One of the worst linebacking crews in all of the NFL, you know, a so-so secondary, then, you know, Slay gets hurt. Not enough pass rush uh, with Ziggy Ansah, much less why he's hurt, not playing slash hampered all year, okay? Um, a non-existent run game, okay? I'm naming all these things. Not enough playmakers, okay, on offense in terms of, you know, especially your receiving core. Tons of drop passes, if I give you that description, you think I'm talking about, you know, a four and 12 team and it didn't end pretty and we couldn't beat the top dogs and, you know, pretty much won that four game losing streak, including that playoff game. By that description, I named a four and 12 team. So why was that not the case? Why instead of four and 12, was it nine and seven and not only nine and seven, but a playoff berth? There were three things, in my opinion, if you're looking at the key ingredients to the success of this team and uh, I'll give you those. You know, as we kind of just, you know, close the coffin, that's a little morbid as we uh, wrap the bow, okay, on what was the 2016 season. Uh, the first is Matt Stafford. There's, I mean, there's really no getting around it. You know, it's not a uh, a hot take. It's not, you know, thinking outside the box. You know, it's simple. Stafford was really good this year. Uh, he got hurt and it, it hampered him a little bit. But all in all, uh, he was he was superb, okay? He was one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Um you know, you've got the comebacks, which were big for sure, uh, but not uh, only the comebacks. He stayed steady all year. And one of the big things we saw in terms of improvement, yes, the decision making, spreading the ball around more because he had to because he did not have Calvin Johnson. One thing that was really big was that he was mobile. Now, you know, it wasn't Michael Vick mobile, but it was as mobile as we've ever seen him. And not only did he, you know, get the yardage, he got them at key moments. OK, there was times where drives could have stalled, drives could have ended and uh, he'd be getting a first down. And uh, Stafford, if we're looking at the three ingredients, would certainly uh, would certainly be number one. 
he would be the guy, the reason, the top, you know, uh, the top factor. Why, despite all those issues I mentioned, uh, why he or why we went nine and seven. The second one was the special teams. You know, there's three phases to the game. Special teams is certainly not on par with offense and defense, but it's pretty darn important. And our special teams was pretty darn good. Sam Martin, one of the best punters in the league. You always got to you know, question when a guy gets drafted, or whether it's a punter or a kicker. You expect big things from them just to be a draft pick, and he has delivered. All right, not only is the, the net yardage there, uh, he's pinning guys inside. He's not you know, allowing teams to get huge returns. Uh, very smart and strategic, and he's also our kickoff specialist. So uh, very key. Matt Prater, we know you know, what he brought to the table. So many uh, huge kicks. The offense not really clicking completely, but we would need these field goals. Many of them were of the long variety. I give you no further example than the Minnesota game, the first one there uh, in Minnesota, having to go down the field and kick a 53-yard field goal. Uh, The man was amazing all year, so much so that he was a Pro Bowl alternate and ultimately made the Pro Bowl. Uh, He has a golden leg. You know, he wasn't perfect. I, I can recall missed extra points like versus Green Bay but all in all he was huge okay making kicks down the end making 50 yard kicks uh we definitely needed it and then the coverage was there as well which a lot of people don't talk about you know John Bademosi was not really signed to be you know a cornerback uh you know defending receivers unfortunately he had to and it reared its ugly head of why uh, he's known as a special teams ace and not a cornerback but in terms of special teams uh, he was always in and around, you know, and not allowing any of the big returns. We didn't have a lot of those this year. And then the returning ourselves, Andre Roberts had some big moments, man. I mean, there's a couple of runs you can look back to uh, touchdowns, um, you know, against Chicago. I'm kind of going off the top of my head. Uh, was it Jacksonville? I mean, he had some pretty big moments this year, uh, getting big returns when we needed them. So special teams was a huge factor. And some of you will agree or disagree with this third one, coaching. And that starts at the top, Jim Caldwell. I don't think he's the best coach. I don't think he, you know, is going to win a chess match with Bill Belichick. But he did good this year. First and foremost, the team bought into. And you can tell that when this is a team that's known for penalties and their penalties uh, drop tremendously. Uh, The boneheaded things such as turnovers and missed tackles dropped quite a bit. They're, they're buying into his scheme. They're buying into Terrell, Terrell Austin's scheme. So when you don't have a lot of talent, but you're doing what's necessary. I think back to the New Orleans Saints game, and that, that game to me really was a – it was called well by – I know that's cheesy. That's so cheesy. The game was called well by Jim Caldwell, but it really was. You know, keep this offense off the field. This team knew um, they didn't have much on defense, okay? Terrell Austin, Caldwell, Bob Quinn, I think they all knew that. Then Ziggy gets hurt. They knew, like, this this defense is pretty bad. It sucks. So ball control, okay? Staying close, you know, doing the small things, uh, the short pass, you know, keeping the defense off the field, keeping us close, and then let Stafford do what he does at the end. It was a good scheme. And I think we saw that with the New Orleans Saints game, keeping that offense off the field, and it seemed to work. So uh, those were three key ingredients, man. Uh, you know, 2016, I was in the rearview mirror. We'll be referring to it, referencing it from time to time. But there's not much to talk about left with uh, that season. It's said and done. It's over. But those three key ingredients that uh, when you look at the lack of talent and the issues and all the bad things, 
you know, you say this team could have been four and twelve, and when you know guys that were predicting the season were, were giving us five wins and six wins or less. When all those things did happen, but we still went nine and seven, the key ingredients again: Matthew Stafford, the special teams, and the coaching staff. So that's the past. What about the present? I mean, it's technically present when I say that there are some in-house decisions that have to be made. Okay, we always love to talk about the new players we can bring in, the shiny new toys, but we have business to take care of here. So here are a few things that we want to consider, uh, a few decisions that have to be made, kind of giving you my opinion on what I think they'll do, what I want them to do, etc. First off, it's the guy behind Matt Stafford, uh, you know, Dan Orlovsky out and Jake Rudock in. It's weird. When, when, when Jake Rudock was at Michigan before, you know, maybe I didn't see his jersey. Or I didn't see his name in writing. For some reason, I thought his name was Jay Grudock. J-A-Y Grudock. I don't know why. And so for some reason, every time I hear his name now, I just always picture Jay space, space, space Grudock instead of Jake Rudock. Anyways, you probably didn't care about that useless bit of information. But if you listen to this show, you know, a time or two or three or 12, I'll give you some random diatribe. He's our number two quarterback. Many people are pleased with that, as am I. Um, you know, he got a year to taste the league. That sounds nasty, but seriously, he did. Uh, he looked good in preseason. And now, you know, Darren Lofsky did what he had to do. Serviceable guy and uh, yada, yada, yada. You didn't want a guy with zero experience backing up Stafford, if you can avoid it, you know. And so it made sense. Many of us wanted Mr. Rudock to be the backup right off the bat, but uh, it was probably the right choice having Orlovsky uh, be the man. Now, you could tell the Lions had uh, future plans for Rudock when he was almost poached. I believe it was Chicago Bears from the practice squad. Uh, Lions made some moves. They made some cuts, and they promoted him uh, from the practice squad to the main roster. I mean, many of us kind of assume they brought him in. They're going to groom him slowly to be the backup to Stafford. And it came true uh, just now. Orlovsky, you know, this past week kind of saying, well, they've parted ways. Uh, you know, they're not going to bring me back. and look like Rudock's going to be the guy. So that's a, that's a good deal. You still want a veteran behind him. So your QB number three, you, you scour the market. Uh, maybe some, you know, I don't know. How far do you want to go back? I can name some serious retreads. You know, your Josh Freemans and your Matt Schaub, et cetera. Um, but yeah, you know, bring in a third guy to be your veteran. And uh, you hope Jake Rudock doesn't ever have to play because that means Stafford's on the field. But if not, uh, he has a year under his belt now and he'll be probably more prepared. Now, uh, the next guy, it's a series. Uh, there's three individuals that may be cap casualties. We've been hearing about them. It's Haloti Nada. It's DeAndre Levy. It's Tahir Whitehead. I've got, uh, you know, an answer for each of them in terms of what I would do. I have a yes, a no, and a maybe. Let's start with the good news or maybe bad news, depending on who you are and how you'll take it. In terms of yes, hello, Dinata, yes, we should cut him. No, uh, you know, it's not a situation where I want to keep him around now. The defensive tackle situation is thin. Right now, it's Nada and it's Ashawn Robinson. That's it. But there's a few reasons why I'm cutting Haloti Nada. First, it's the financial deal, okay? We got about $33 million, roughly, in cap space. He's due to make $7-plus million. You cut him, you save $5 million. That's a huge, huge benefit for this team. Now, you know, $7 million is astronomical, but here's a guy that's 33. 
that he played okay last year, but he has slowly started to decline. Certainly not the force that, you know, made him one of the better interior defenders in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens. And at his age, with the mileage that he's had, it's almost not, you know, if he's going to start breaking down or if, you know, the the basement is just going to fall off, the floor is going to come right under him, he's going to come crashing down and be completely ineffective. It's when, you know, it might not be this year, but it could be this year. It might be three or four games in. And at $7 million, I don't want to take that risk of a guy that was not that impactful. You know, he did, played good, but was not like monumental, uh, that old, making that much money. And the kicker of it is him and Ashawn Robinson are similar players. They're kind of that zero tech. You know, oftentimes in a 4-3, you want a defensive tackle that's a zero tech and you want one that's a three tech. Your three tech is more of a pass rushing guy. He's there to get the pressure, the zero tech. Oftentimes they'll take up two blockers, they'll plug holes, they'll start against the run. Ashawn uh, really, you know, started looking good toward the uh, end of the year. The rookie into his second year, uh, it's kind of redundant having Ashawn Robinson and Haloti Nada. Uh, so, you know, in terms of Nada, I say yes. You cut him, you save that money. DeAndre Levy's the no. Um, we know the injuries, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, they may try to lower his cap hit. He's due to make uh, about $8 million roughly this year. And I could understand completely if they, you know, don't want to pay him that amount. That's uh, a pretty penny for a guy that, you know, in the last two years have p- just played like, I don't know, five, six games. Just not enough. Now, if he doesn't agree to take that pay cut, they may, you know, they may force his hand. They may try to, you know, play hardball. But really, by cutting him, you save $1.2 million. It's not enough. And if you think about how bad our linebacking unit was and has been one of the worst units in all of football and certainly the worst unit on our team, you know, a year of health for DeAndre Levy, you hope maybe just maybe this guy um, is healthy now. I know it's a stretch, but... Uh, I'm not of the opinion that you let go potentially one of your better linebackers, a guy that was pretty much Pro Bowl caliber just two years ago, still in his 20s. We know there's the injuries. There's little comments he made about the NFL. I mean, there's a lot going on with the guy. We get that. But you're not saving a ton by cutting him. And it's one of our worst units. And, you know, you know, there's a chance this guy could turn things around. Right. And if he does, well, you know, you're getting a quality, quality player now. Um, will he be the DeAndre Levy of, oh, well, we can't say for sure. I mean, who knows? But even getting uh, half of that, a function of that on this team would be something that we could desperately need, we could desperately use, and it would help us out tremendously. So I say no. I'm not I'm not of the opinion, I'm not of the belief that you cut a guy uh, on one of your weakest units where you're not saving a ton of money because he's been hurt, because, you know, you're hoping that, uh, you know, maybe you can save a couple of million of dollars. You're not even saving a couple, you're only saving $1.2 million. So ultimately, it's not worth it. He falls in the no category. Now, next is Tahir Whitehead. He's in the maybe category. Um, I think, you know, uh, you look at the $3.2 million you save if you cut him, and that's a big number. Now, at this point, he would be a starter. You know, I, I think I think they're going to try to do an overhaul of the linebacking unit. So now you're looking at a guy into here, Whitehead, who is making, you know, about four or five million, but he's a backup. So, you know, that's where the maybe comes in. I, though, am leaning more towards, no, you keep him around because, number one, we don't know who's going to be brought in. You know, we, we think they're going to make some changes. I'm of the opinion that, you know, Miles Killebrew should be a linebacker. Will they do that? Will they not? We don't know. And even if he isn't, they should bring a linebacker or two, but we just don't know. 
So at this point, Whitehead is a guy that would be starting. And even if we do bring in two guys or we move Killebrew to linebacker and things start to change, I'm okay having Whitehead there as a super sub. He can play the middle. He can play the outside in case of an injury, you know, to one of the starters. I would be okay with him. So I'm, and I'm in the maybe camp, but I'm leaning more towards keep the guy. Now, in terms of the tackles and guards, we got Larry Warford, Riley Reef. I just say Reef is out. Uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Warford is out. You've got Joe Dahl, you've got Lake and Thomas. And let these two guys, you know, see what they can do in terms of being the right guard of the future. Dahl looked pretty good in the preseason. Thomas has been shaky, but his natural position is right guard. They tried him out at left guard. It didn't work. Between those two, I, I feel as though something can work out. Uh, Warford's going to get a big contract from someone else. I like him. He's never been as good as his first year. So let the man walk. Now, Riley Reef is the guy I want to resign. Now, uh, the free agent market for tackles just got bigger because Ryan Clady is available now. Kelvin Beecham's available now. Um, you know, so guys that we didn't think would be there are there, which means Reef's price might not be as high, which is even better. Um, I don't want to go into the year uh, having to draft a tackle either. I would love to have our two tackles in tow. We know what we've got with uh, Decker. He's our future at left tackle. He played pretty good as a rookie. And uh, Reef wasn't bad either. If the contract is decent, I think with there being more tackles on the market now, it may be. I'm of the opinion that you bring him in. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm not giving you an official wish list or prediction of free agency. we got some time to go. I'm just going to throw some names out there, and then we're going to get into questions as well as the NFL draft. So stay tuned as we be back for the second half of the Hindsight 20 podcast. Jerry Maller here for the Hindsight 20 podcast. If you want your ad to be placed on our show, it's a new year. It's time to link up, partner up with the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. It's simple. Uh, leave us an email. It's hindsight20podcast at gmail.com, and we'll make it happen. We've had really good relationships with several of the shows. It's time to link up with Big Jerry. Make it happen. Again, that's hindsight20podcast at gmail.com. We're back on the Hindsight 20. I want to thank you for sticking around. We've got some listener questions. We've got a little bit of free agency. I'm just throwing some names out there, okay? I'm just going to put a few, uh, you know, a few names, you know, in the ethos, in the air, if you will. We'll formulate that, you know, wish list and that prediction thing, you know, in the weeks to come. Well, we don't have a lot of time, uh, but, you know, in the next show or two. Uh, and then we're going to do some draft talk. In fact, uh, one of the listener questions was geared toward the draft, but later rounds, which is really cool. I like talking about some of those guys because, you know, we start talking about the same names, your Taco Charlton's and your, I don't know, Malik Hooker's. Oh, he probably won't be there at 21, but you get my point. We talk about the top guys so much that we oftentimes don't talk about some of the later rounds. And that's where you can really build your team, you know, getting a guy or two that kind of fell through the cracks. So let's throw some names out there. Uh, from the free agent side, like I said, it's not a wish list. It's not a prediction. Last year, uh, I'll toot my own horn. I was one of the first people I hear, uh, out here that I knew talked about Marvin Jones to the Lions. And, okay, you lose Calvin. Obviously, they're going to get, uh, go get a big name if they could, one of the better targets. And he was like the number one receiving target. But I'm still going to toot my horn on that, all right? So in, in the effort to 
keep my reputation intact, you know, predicting the the biggest target, the main get. You know, they got him early in the draft or other free agency. I'm not going to throw out any predictions yet. I got to do some more research. I got to do some more thinking. But I'm going to list a few guys that kind of fit the bill. The Lions perhaps have been interested in some of these players before. Uh, they would fit the mold of what the Lions might look for, that whole cliche of maybe being a Patriot-type player because Bob Quinn apparently – you know, he's just going to do everything the Patriots are going to do, according to many of you. I don't agree with that at all. That's sarcasm, if you can't sense it. Uh, but I do have a few names that I'm going to throw out there, all right? A uh, combination of guys I think would fit, a combination of guys I think they may want to get, and some realistic, uh, you know, targets for the Lions, some realistic acquisitions. So uh, defense, 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 of course, that's where the majority of probably their spending will be and their focus. But their offense needs work as well. And... um in terms of offensive line, I'm just going to leave Reef right there because I think they're going to make a, a, a big attempt to re-sign him. And now, if not, then you might be looking at the draft and uh, potentially free agency. But uh, still on offense, I think they're going to address a few things. Now, tight end, unfortunately, is still an issue with Eric Ebron uh, as uh, he may be Anquan Bolton this year. And it's that's a little scary because Bolton, if anything, he's sure-handed, and um, they have similar skill set in terms of in that slot, maybe a third-down target. Ebron's going to have to catch that ball, but in any event, uh, they still will be looking at a second tight end, a guy that can catch and block. Martellus Bennett. Now, I think after the Super Bowl and you know just being a, a high-profile player on a high-profile team may cost a little bit more. Someone may want to give him you know, more money than the Lions are willing to, but he does fit that bill. He is definitely like a rich man's Brandon Pettigrew, a big guy, physical, uh, with good hands, though, and a good blocker. We we did miss having Pettigrew out there, at least as a blocker, because that's pretty much all he did the last few years. I think they will be looking, whether in free agency or in the draft, for a guy uh, that can block and can catch that second tight end alongside Eric Ebron. But here are a few other names. Like I said with defense, you know, you've got some hometown cooking in terms of defensive ends, Nick Perry, William Golston, both Detroit boys. Chris Long almost signed with Detroit, he said, this past year. So uh, maybe this will happen again. He's a free agent, and uh, they were close, but no cigar. Maybe this year will be cigar. We'll have to wait and see. Zach Brown, linebacker, another guy that we, we talked to, we brought in. There was some interest. Uh, he seemed to like what we had to offer, but he signed elsewhere. He's back on the market, and um, linebacker is still an issue for this team. Dante Hightower would be a big acquisition. He would be a big money man. Um, when I'm thinking about you know a big acquisition, I'm I'm possibly leaning toward linebacker more than defensive line because those defensive linemen, you know, you start talking Kawan Short and maybe like Chandler Jones. You're spending 15, 17, 20 million almost annually. And as much as they would help the team, similar with Sue, who's making like almost 20 million a year, it's just a big number, man. And is the juice worth the squeeze? Linebacker to me is uh, is a nice position because it's devalued, not as important as defensive end. They shouldn't make as much as defensive end or defensive tackle, but they can impact the game quite a bit. And so a top guy like Dante Hightower at his position of linebacker will get 11 and 12 million. But a top guy as defensive and defensive tackle, you know, they're sniffing and, you know, getting close to that $20 million mark. So if we're going to spend big on defense, I'm kind of leaning toward the established linebackers. Hightower is a name we'll hear early and often. The Patriot connection is there, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, JPP, 
Jason Pierre-Paul at one point would have been a huge guy in terms of money. He's been in the league a few years. He's still young, though. He's like 26, 27. He started his career uh, early. Uh, the finger, hand, or lack thereof is an issue. And so he can be had in that medium range, something to consider. Logan Ryan, there's a slew of cornerbacks that will probably, you know, try to come in. I think they won't really go after a Logan Ryan or a bigger name, but instead bring in like a veteran presence uh, to uh, challenge a Nevin loss and play along them. And then they'll do the same in terms of, uh, at the slot position for Quandry Diggs. Uh, Diggs had a good first year, bad second year, and then he got hurt in his second year. So, you know, who knows what we have at the slot. And now this next name you're not going to like, or maybe you will. I like it. Is it realistic? I don't know. Are they looking at him? I don't know. But Nick Fairley, guys, yes, that Nick Fairley. This isn't a, a troll. This isn't a test. There isn't another Nick Fairley in the league. Yes, Nick Fairley, uh, formerly of LSU, formerly of the Detroit Lions, uh, would be a target. He is that three tech. He had a very good year with New Orleans. So much so, you know, he may get a bigger deal than we may be willing to pay, but he really fits the bill. I really think him and Ashawn Robinson next to each other would just look absolutely spectacular. So it's something to consider just putting that name out there. So again, Chris Long, Zach Brown, Dante Hightower, William Ghoston, Nick Perry, Nick Fairley, Jason Pierre-Paul, Logan Ryan, Martellus Bennett in terms of offense. So just throwing a few names out there. I'll have more concrete, concrete, concrete uh, predictions and wish lists in the next podcast or two. Speaking of offseason, let's talk a little bit of NFL draft. Now, uh, what I decided to do is do uh, two mocks and a fan speak. What the heck is a fan speak? Well, you know what mock drafts are. I've chosen two. I'll go through different sources throughout the weeks until it is the, uh, you know, the draft time. Uh, today, I've chosen uh, one of my favorite NFLDraftGeek.com, Nolan Vassan, a friend of the show. We'll have him on uh, hopefully this upcoming month. Uh, very good at what he does. He's connected with uh, USA Today, uh, and he's pretty good with his analysis. Uh, he's from Detroit, but he isn't biased toward the Lions. He really just breaks down the whole situation. Not even a big Lions fan. He just breaks down the draft. So we'll give you his mock draft for the Lions, and then we went ahead and did uh, NFL.com. Uh, they had a four-round mock. We're not going to give you all of those. We'll just uh, go ahead and tell you what Chad Reuter uh, did for pick 21. So let's start there with Mr. Chad at 21. He has Tease Tabor, cornerback from Florida. His description says, the Lions have had issues in the secondary for years. Tabor should help lock down one side of the field. This is an interesting one. Now, the pick... Right after this is Derek Barnett, and we'll talk a little bit more about Derek Barnett later. Uh, some other guys that fail, uh, O.J. Howard, Caleb Brantley, um, Cam Robinson. I mean, there's some pretty big names. Hassan Riddick. These are all names we've seen linked to the Lions, and uh, I'm not a huge fan of Tease Tabor, to be honest. And if we're there at 21 and you've got Derek Barnett, I want Derek Barnett over Tease Tabor. I would probably want Caleb Brantley over T's table. O.J. Howard, maybe. It's a tight end. I know. Um, that's kind of 50-50. I, you know, depending on what we did in the offseason, Cam Robinson would someone be someone potentially I would want over T's Tabor as well as Hassan Reddick. So um, like I said, I don't think cornerback is as big of an issue as many of us think. Uh, Nevin Lawson is serviceable. 
The biggest issue, and a lot of times when guys were open, because we just didn't have a consistent pass rush. And if you bring in a cornerback his first year, he's going to sit there and he's going to have to learn. I don't think he uh, comes right into that starting position. Uh, even Darius Slay took him to his second year to kind of start formulating, and in the third year he took off. So I don't know, a project at corner when you've already got young guys, I'm not as jazzed up, I guess. I don't know, just for lack of a better word. I'm not as jazzed up. I'm not as hyped about bringing in a cornerback in round one or really in round two. I mean, once you get later than that, you do what you do. But um, Tease Tabor, interesting pick. He's been mocked as high as like top 15. So I guess from a value standpoint, people would be pleased with it. But uh, I don't know if I would. Now, moving on to Nolan Vassan. NFL Draft Geek, he's got Derek Barnett. Now, this is the guy that I would be happy about. Defensive end from Tennessee. If Derek Barnett falls, it's pretty much because of his size, really. He's 6'3". He's not that prototypical guy, um, but to me, he has all of the tools you want. Um, Double-digit sacks, you know, only guy, I believe, in SEC history, or at least in quite some time, that three years of playing, double-digit sacks in each year. The production is there. The work ethic is there. He's a little bit undersized. I think it's going to translate. And unfortunately for a guy like him, you know, he's going to go to that combine and numbers aren't going to pop. And so he might fall to 21. But there may be a smart GM or two that says, yeah, okay, he's a little small. All right. Combine, not that good. Okay. But guess what? He played against some of the best talent. If you're talking SEC football, that's as, you know pretty much as close as you're going to get to the, you know, playing NFL level guys and he got double digit sacks three straight years this guy is special he is a game player okay he's one of those guys that might not look good Monday through Saturday but come Sunday you're gonna like Derek Barnett come Sunday I guarantee so you know he's really you know and if it's him and Taco Charlton available give me Derek Barnett I'll be singing his praises for quite some time now and uh you know we'll see how it goes um but NFLDraftGeek.com and Nolan Hassan has the one and only Mr. Derek Barnett as the pick. And if that were to happen, I'd be pleased. Now, like I told you guys, we we're going to do two mock drafts and a fan speak. What is a fan speak? Well, uh, they aren't a sponsor, but hey, I'm addicted to this. Fanspeak.com, you pretty much can take control of a team and you do a mock draft. They have a simulator that's very in-depth. You can use their website's database, Walter Football, a number of different places. You pick your team, you pick your rounds. There's even a premium site where you can, you know, do trades, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm doing live on the air a fan speak for the Detroit Lions. I'm putting myself. This isn't what I think they'll do. This is Jerry Mallory as the GM. So uh, I'm going to hit start the round and let's see who goes where. I'll rattle these off pretty quick. I won't give you all the picks. The first pick in the draft is Deshaun Watson. That's kind of a, a surprise. Many people have Miles Garrett. Um, they do really good on this thing. They they look at team needs. They look at you know fan polls and other mock drafts. They they're pretty consistent uh, of making smart picks. Uh, I say that, and I see Deshaun Watson number one. Uh, but trust me, they usually do good. Jonathan Allen, they've got going number two to San Francisco. Mitch Trubisky, a biscuit man to uh, Chicago, moving down. Dalvin Cook, he's the first running back taken, number eight by Carolina. See, that makes sense. A lot of people think Carolina's going to go in that direction. Taco Charlton and Derek Barnett go back to back. Uh, one to the New Orleans Saints, being Derek Bar- uh, Derek Barnett, and then Taco Charlton to. The Cleveland Browns. I don't know, man. It, with those two first round picks, if Cleveland ends up with Deshaun Watson and Taco Charlton, 
I I would be much happier if I was a Cleveland fan. They ended up with like Miles Garrett and then I don't know what, maybe even Patrick Mahomes or, you know, I'm looking at who fell. Uh, Malik Hooker went 16. I much be, be much happier with Malik Hooker and Miles Garrett, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, speaking of Malik Hooker, I would have been very pleased if he fell to the Lions, but he did not. Uh, pick 16 is where he went. 17 is Gerard Davis, linebacker to Washington. 18, Corey Davis, Tennessee Titans. 19, Tampa Bay Buccaneers picking Cam Robinson, offensive tackle. Then another offensive tackle goes off the board. Garrett Bowles, Boyles, I don't know. I'm not even going to act like I'm spaying his name, right? Derek Bowles to Denver. And so I'm sitting here at 21, and I've got some pretty good names. Uh, Tease Tabor, he's there. That's interesting. Takaris McKinley is an edge rusher from UCLA. John Ross, the speedster, he might run a 4-3-40, is there. Wide receiver from Washington. Uh, Ryan Ramzik is a big tackle from uh, Wisconsin. 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 Hassan Reddick is an edge uh, defender from Temple. But, guys, there's there's two guys up here that I know we need defense, but it's hard to ignore. O.J. Howard and Leonard Fournette. <sighs> what do you do? What do you do now? If my boy Derek Barnett was here, you know, Malik Hooker looked like he was about to fall, I'd be going defense. You know, maybe Solomon Thomas fell for some weird reason. I'm looking at this, and to me, I'm taking O.J. Howard off of it. I know he's been mocked to us as well as the the tight end from Miami from a few places. Oh, the Patriots like two tight ends, so the Lions because Bob Quinn. I get that. And, and trust me, I know we've got Ebron, but we may draft a tight end early. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him off. Tease Tabor, I've told you my, my theory on the whole cornerback early, gone. It's going to come down to... Tim Williams, who I like more than most. I know the character issues are there, but just watching his film, he is a baller. He gets after the quarterback. Hassan Reddick and Leonard Fournette. You guys are going to hate me. I'm going with the running back. Uh, I'm pressing the button. Leonard Fournette is now a Detroit Lion. He's a top 10 talent. He falls to you. You take him. And this is this is someone, in my opinion, if you're talking to Jerry Mallory, yes, I'm using third person that thinks the world, okay, of Amir Abdullah. But the talent is too much to pass up. You know, he fell in my uh, fan speak mock draft. I'm going to take the guy. Uh, I'll do that from time to time. I really do enjoy uh, fan speak. It's a good site. So check it out. Let's close this out by going to questions. And it's kind of ironic. I did not set this up. I did the fan speak live. The first question we have is Pony Keg Sports. He asked, even though they have Amir and ZZ Top, will they draft a running back? Well, Jerry just did. Leonard Fournette. The Lions probably will draft a running back. I think it will be in the later rounds as a filler uh, just to see what they have. They're not completely set at running back, though. And um, to me, uh, you've got Amir Abdullah, who's by far your best runner. There's no competition there. I think your second best runner is Zach Zinner. And then, you know, we know Theo Reddick. He's very good and he does what he does, but he's really a receiving threat more than anything else. Uh, I think a veteran presence will be added and need it and if that happens i'm thinking like maybe like a darren mcfadden type guy maybe they won't even look at running back in the draft so to answer your your question unless you know if dalvin cook or leonard fournette falls they will think about it but ultimately no they won't draft one early but in the later rounds dude any position is is available that's worth it even if it's a quarterback or you know hey they drafted a long snapper so in the later rounds any position is is available to be drafted. So uh, I'll just say that. But unless one of the big names fall, 
I don't think they're looking too closely at running back. They've got two younger guys already. Thanks for the question, though. Uh, Our last question is from Mr. Tukua. Maybe I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Mr. John Mayfield, thanks for this one. He said, what should the Lions draft in the late? He's got it in all caps. In the late rounds, we always hear about one through three, but what about four plus? Well, uh, we'll close this out by giving you three names I really like. I think all three of these guys will be available potentially in day three. Most of them will be early in day three, like in the fourth round. First off is Big Vincent Taylor. He's a defensive tackle from Oklahoma State. Look out for him. There's not a lot of three-tech defensive tackles in the draft this year. You know, Caleb Brantley is one. He's a first-round talent, maybe early second. Um, but Vincent Taylor fits the bill. Uh, NFL.com, I was looking, comparing him to Aaron Donald. Uh, very disruptive. He had like 8.5 sacks this year. Uh, one of the few three-techs. One of the few guys, and really, you know, 4-3 is a dying scheme in the NFL, so, you know, not a lot of teams drafting for it, but we're still in a 4-3. Vincent Taylor, Oklahoma State defensive tackle, look out for him. He's someone I could see us addressing or drafting, uh, looking at, because he fits that three-tech, three-technique defensive tackle position. He can get after the quarterback, and he has some untapped potential. The next guy, another guy that will probably be around the fourth round-ish, is Carroll Phillips. He is defensive end from Illinois. He's he reminds me of Vic Beasley, who really have come into his own. It's the second year now um, with the Atlanta Falcons. He's a little smaller, you know. If you look at him, you might think he's more suited as a three-four type of guy. He's like six-two, two hundred forty pounds. I think he'd be really good as a specialist, though. Um, this team may be mixing some things up on defense. It won't be that strict 4-3. I think they'll throw some things out. You know, they were talking about flamethrowers that year, and they brought in uh, Kyle Van Noy. I think they'll actually potentially try that. A guy that's kind of like the size of a linebacker, but he can be an edge, maybe use him for specialized situations. We've got to create more pressure. We have to get creative. Carol Phillips, uh, Tawan Smoot is uh, his his classmate. He's also an edge defender that will probably get drafted sooner. Dewan Smoot, uh, but Carol Phillips is the guy I like uh, there maybe in the fourth round. Someone that's, um, you know, a little undersized, but specifically for a third down application, could be very good at rushing the passer at the next level. And the last guy is tight end out of Toledo, Michael Roberts. Now the Lions have already expressed interest in him. They've had conversations with him. They've met with him. He's big with very good hands and a good blocker, right? That fits the bill. And now they don't address that in the offseason that, you know, next Brandon Pettigrew, he's someone that slides right in and fills that role. He's sure-handed. He's big-bodied. And uh, he's going to be someone, no matter where he goes, I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. There'll be some tight ends picked before him, some smaller guys that can run better routes and flash here. He's steady. He's not going to make too many mistakes. And I think he's going to prove a lot of teams wrong. Guys, this has been fun today. All right. I understand it's been a while. I'm shaking the rust off. It's only going to get better. But I feel good about this one. We had a chance to talk about some in-house business, some guys we're keeping. We had a chance to talk about, you know, the recipe for 2016, how we became 9-7, and despite having a really crappy team, in my opinion. We got a little fan speak in. We got a little free agent talk in. It's been a good day. We'll be back next Monday. We'll have a clearer picture of what we want to do in free agency. We'll have more options in terms of the draft. And we'll answer more listener questions. So I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. As always, I can be found at Jerry Mallory NFL. You can see me on PrideDetroit.com, and you can catch me right here every Monday. So until then, this has been Jerry Mallory saying thank you for listening to the Hindsight 20 Podcast.